1: Looking we'll look forward to this next conversation. I think a face and a voice you all know very well. Uh, Kelly Rudy spent about 15 years playing in the NHL. Uh, of course, he's made a name for himself as a broadcaster, a Flames analyst, part of Hockey Night in Canada. And we can now add author to the resume. The book is called Calling the Shots, Ups, Downs, and Rebounds, My Life in the Great Game of Hockey. Kelly Rudy. Congrats on the book, and, and thanks so much for coming in here today. Thanks,
0: Rob. Thanks for the invite. I'm not a very good guest, apparently, because <laughs> no. I brought in a nice large Tim's and uh, nothing for you. So <laughs> Hey, that's all
1: right. We're glad you're here. Well, you gave us the book, or someone gave us a book, so we appreciate that. Um, let's, let's touch on this, because we are talking a bit off the air about this, just the, the emotion in writing your own story mm-hmm. and, and going back and, and reliving you know, all the ups and downs of, of your life. What was this process like for you?
0: It was uh, very difficult at times. It was really rewarding. Other times it was fun uh, sharing some of the stories with uh, Kirstie McClellan Day, the co-author. But some days it's just emotionally very taxing when you think of the things that you're talking about, how it impacted your life, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. and. Uh, Just uh, your path along the way, and uh, I found it. Some days you could only talk for about an hour, hour and a half, and then you're just drained. All that, and then uh, you have to go home and sort of uh, regroup to a certain degree. Because when you're sharing your story, the way that Kirsty and I chose to do this, I just told stories. I just talked about all the relationships uh, throughout my life, mainly in hockey, Mm -hmm. and how they affected me. And and then you wonder at times, well. I've thrown this out there. I've thrown that out there. Uh, what's too much? Or, or was I maybe, did I share too much? So you want to really, I found, at least for my sort of uh, moral compass, if you will, just I wanted to share, give a lot of insight to what I've gone through, what the game's like and so on. Right. But this wasn't a tell-all. It's not a, a book where, scandalous. Right? Uh, you know, I'm yeah. not evening the score with anybody no. or anything. So that's just not my nature.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's not. Um, it's interesting, though, b- being a goalie. I mean, I, I played goal when I was a kid, so I, I have a bit of insight into this. Like cause goalies are, are <clears throat> unique characters. You have to be a different kind of person to be a goalie. And, and when you get to those elite levels, I would think, and, and how it shapes you as a person, because you you got to hate getting scored on. you got to hate losing. And that can cross the line at some point, right? So how do you view the the psychology of of the position? So... Uh, to your point,
0: I, I loved how you word you use the word hate because uh, I talk about it in my book. For every single game, I had a hate on for the other guys. It, it was very easy yeah. for me, and uh, it wasn't to uh, you know kind of like manufactured where I didn't really believe it. I really did believe it. In fact, um, and I share a couple of stories in the book. <clears throat> I'm almost a, well, not almost. I'm appalled at some of the things I did on the ice, especially in yeah. junior that I. I wasn't even aware of. I just totally lost my mind and crossed the line. And, and th- what I'm talking about is there might be a goal, mouse scrum, and uh, I was kicking guys with my skates, and I cut them. And, uh, like, Barry Trotz came up to me um, when he was coaching uh, Nashville, I think, and uh, Troy Loney, a former player for Pittsburgh, won a couple cups with them. He came up to me, and they both showed me their scars. Um, yeah. and, and I was appalled by what I what I did. Um, but you know, I think most people do recognize to play, you've got to be a pretty fierce competitor. Right. Um, and to your point about the pressure, the goal, the position of goal is different. Everybody's got pressure. Everybody's got trying to earn a living, right? They're trying to feed their families and they're trying to do that, but it's a unique pressure that a goalie has. Not only is he trying to uh, sustain a career or, uh, or have some sort of longevity, uh, make a name for himself, but. Your job is to stop the puck, and if it, if you don't, um, there are consequences.
1: Everyone notices. Everybody notices. You know, forward has a bad game. It's maybe not as, not noticeable. as noticeable. Goalie does. Everyone yeah. notices. And so
0: you do learn to deal with that pressure and, and so on, although there's a chapter in there where I don't know what happened to me. I just – I was lost, and uh, I was, like, from a really strong person, I went to being maybe the weakest person on the planet. So. And I was very emotional sharing that with Kirstie. So uh, I was actually, I had a great start to that year, my best start ever. And it turned out to be a pretty good season. We ended up going to the Stanley Cup finals in 92, 93 that year. But for about two months, I was right in the ditch. And it was hard to get out
1: of, I can tell you. Oh, but it was. Um, yeah, and I mean, certainly, you know, that, that year, going to the Stanley Cup Finals, going head-to-head with Patrick Waugh, that was a big moment. Uh, obviously, I think a lot of people still remember the historic night, the 73 saves, yes. the game that seemed like it would never mm-hmm. end. Yeah. Do, do you still remember all the details of, I do. of all of that?
0: Yeah? That game's pretty vivid to me. Um, it, it, not all the time, but every once in a while, every couple of years, I might watch it on YouTube again, yeah. just go through it because it was such a memorable game. And it was such an impactful game for me because it, uh, it really put me on the hockey map. So I was right. there and I was improving. I was gaining some sort of reputation or respect, but not like what happened after that Easter epic where <laughs> we went to four overtimes, as you mentioned. And, uh, you know, I, the, the year before I uh, was chosen or asked to play for Team Canada in Moscow in the World Championships, right. but... That game in '87. Now I was invited to try out for the Canada Cup team, which yeah. is a greater, higher standard, even more so than the World Championships. And so it's it sort of. And then from there, I met Wayne, and he was basically the the reason why I was traded from New York to LA. So that game really changed my life in a really yeah, great <laughs> way.
1: uh Wayne Gretzky wrote the forward to the book, uh, and of course, you guys got a great relationship. But as I understand, you were not happy about being traded to Los Angeles. No, I wasn't.
0: I had a good life in New York. Uh, My wife was expecting our second daughter at the time. Uh, I really enjoyed playing for the Islanders. I was very loyal, Um, and so it was crushing to me um, to to get traded. I was very I was hurt, Uh, and I tell you what, I was really mad at them. I I wanted them to lose for, (laughs) I wanted them to lose like five one every single game for 10 years after that. And uh, now the pain subsided. And it turns out, Rob, without question, that turned out to be maybe the best move. Yeah, because living in L.A. was great, right?
1: Because, you know, some guys would look at it and say, well, this other team wants me. This is great. But, I mean, you look at it as, well, these guys are getting rid of me after all these years, all this loyalty. Now they're they're dumping me.
0: And we all dream about playing in one team, like Steve Eisenman or Joe Sackick, and winning cups and so on, and the loyalty. And, you know, it's a fairy tale. Uh, Dream, but nothing wrong with that, to dream something like that. And so when you're traded, and then, you know, the thing is, it feels like the trust is now broken. And every single uh, year when we're leading up to the trade deadline, then I was always fearful that I was going to get traded. I never had that thought before the day I was traded. And then after that, every single day, I was fearful that I'd get traded again.
1: So that that came out of the blue, hey?
0: Yeah, totally. Well, and... Remember, no internet, no nothing, great, so yeah. <laughs> the only way you'd really hear rumors back then, you might bump into a reporter, or, or the hockey news might have it, mm-hmm. and uh, now there's rumors swirling all the time on social media and so on. I think it's far more difficult for players nowadays, by the way, and and just the yep. pressure they're under and the scrutiny, you know, they, they make the slightest little thing that somebody thinks is wrong, and, and they get slaughtered, it's not right. Yeah.
1: How much has the position changed? Because it almost seems now that if you know you're if you're six foot seven, you know mm-hmm. you, you've got the the all, all the technique all down pat that that you got a much better chance. There seems less room for guys with flair, guys who do things a little differently, or even smaller guys. Yeah. Did you think that that if you'd come along now, it would be a lot different for you? Let's just say you and I wouldn't be in the NHL today. Well, I it's, wouldn't be in any. Yeah. Area.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. I find that disturbing to a certain degree. Maybe disturbing is not the right word, but, uh, you know, you think of – there There has to be some goalies out there that are under six feet tall, that are talented, that can play. Uh, mm-hmm. UC Saros, I think, right now might be the only goalie in the National Hockey League in Nashville that's under six feet. Um, and, and, you know, and he's off to a bad start, which doesn't make a very good point for us. But <laughs> um, you think of – you know, they scout guys for size, and I would too. I mean, if yeah. – yeah. You know, but I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my only criteria. And uh, the equipment has changed dramatically. I mean, there's no question about it. Although I think uh, too much, I'd like to see some of the bulk taken away. It's not about protection. I'm all for protecting the goalies. Don't get me wrong. They don't mm-hmm. need to be injured because the guys shoot so hard now. But there's oh, no crazy. reason why yeah. it's yeah. that bulky either.
1: Uh, there's a lot fewer headbands these days, too. Yes, right? <laughs> How did that all start? Right? That became like your trademark. Yeah, well, I always had pretty long hair,
0: and I wore contacts when I played. And so uh, sweat and contacts, not a very good mix, right? No. So uh, I always wore a headband, but it was just never quite absorbent enough, and it was always bugged me. And so I was playing with a bunch of different things and trying different cloths or so on and one day do you remember the that blue kind of pajama oh, yeah. things I that have, we, used, we to used to wear yeah under, yeah under our yeah. equipment so one day before practice on Long Island I just cut that t-shirt up yeah and wrapped around my head and you know what lo and behold is more absorbent than my other headbands, and I thought, hey, I kind of like this. <laughs> and then uh, it just sort of grew into this thing that became kind of like my trademark, uh, never intending to be so.
1: Right.
0: And and then I hated it. Like, when I was going yeah. from uh, L.A. to San Jose to finish off my career, I recall here in the summer, we have a house up here in the West End, and uh, I was saying to my wife and kids, I think I'm going to get rid of the headband, and they convinced me not to, that it was kind of like my trademark. Right. And But I was so... I was past it and I didn't really like it. So the day I retired, um, I, threw, I had a whole bunch and I oh. threw them all in the garbage, which was pretty darn stupid. So wow. <laughs> I found five in a storage unit we have here in the city with all my old equipment, but that wasn't the smartest move I ever no. made.
1: No, I suppose not. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here when I come back. More with Kelly Rudy. We're talking about his new book, Calling the Shots Ups, Downs, and Rebounds My Life in the Great Game of Hockey. We're back after this. Welcome back. We're in conversation with Kelly Rudy talking about his book, Calling the Shots, Ups, Downs, and Rebounds, My Life in the Great Game of Hockey. Uh, it, you talk about going to L.A. and, and you know, obviously things changed dramatically when Wayne Gretzky got yeah. there. Uh, so you'd been around long enough in the league uh, that you know how things were, but it just seemed like it was a totally different world, all the celebrities and just everything when you got to L.A. How, how much of a culture shock was that?
0: It was enormous. Uh, I mean, uh, when I played for the Islanders, I thought I knew um, the superstars and celebrity and so on right. with that team because of the guys like Potvin, and Bossy, Trotje, Billy Smith, Clark Gills, all these incredible players. And so I thought I knew popularity a- until I was playing full-time on a team with Wayne Gretzky. Like I was around Wayne for about a month in the 87 Canada Cup, but yeah. that's a different experience again. that that's, There's a lot of stars there. But to be around Wayne on a full time basis was crazy. It uh, and there was everybody that was anybody in Hollywood was around, and so you met actors, musicians, and it became so uh, regular that it it didn't really (laughs) you didn't really think much of it. But the first night I got there, so I get told that morning. I believe it was a Wednesday morning. Uh, and then that afternoon, I'm on a plane. Bill Torrey tells me at about 7 in the morning that I'm getting traded. About 2 in the afternoon, I'm at JFK Airport flying to L.A., so it's a big kick in the teeth, and you don't have much time to react, so I get right. to L.A., and I, the team played at, at that, that night at home. Of course, I didn't make it in time, but so I went in the dressing room after the game. I met the guys, and then Wayne says, hey, just give me 10 minutes. I'll shower and talk to the press, and then we'll go have a beer upstairs, so I go up there, and uh, um, first guy... I meet as Pat Sajak and his uh, oh, yeah, partner right. at the time Leslie Brown, I believe her name was at the time. So Wayne and uh, the four of us had a beer, chatted, and then I think a day or two later, the next game met Michael J. Fox, and so it just started. Then it was just weird, and uh, <laughs> it, it, you know what I found is that all they're all just the same nice people. Right. You know, they're I didn't we never had any issues. It's it was just awkward or weird. You know, I grew up in Edmonton, just a small right. shy guy, and and then put in this situation
1: uh, and for Wayne it didn't seem like that ever went to his head
0: oh not it? at all no he was uh no he was not uh, um I think all those people like at that level Wayne's level and the, the actors and all that they're so used to it that they don't look at somebody and go oh my gosh that's amazing uh, although they are very complimentary, and mm-hmm. I, I found that. They're very complimentary. They love to say, I love your work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you learn that phrase pretty quickly.
1: Uh, a lot of this book is about the people that, that had an impact on, on your life and your career. Al Arbor clearly stands yes. out as as one. Yeah, uh, A lot of great memories about him. Uh, who else stands out to you?
0: Well, Barry Melrose for sure, because yeah. uh, uh, like I said, he resurrected my career when it was uh, it looked like I was never going to play again. I ended up playing another five years, right. um, but I had some of the teammates I had were amazing, and just how you sort of bond, and that bond has never been broken for all of us. And whenever we see each other, we we get along. Guys that uh, maybe lesser known guys, but guys that played awfully hard. Like two guys that stand out for me in San Jose were Doug Bodger and Todd Gill, just two tremendous people and uh, guys that battled extremely hard. And then, uh, boy, the list is extensive. All those guys on the Islanders that really helped out when, for instance, uh, like I said, I was a shy kid, so i make the Islanders. We'd go on a road trip somewhere, and I'm the only rookie that year to make the team in training camp. Later, we added Pat Flatley, Pat LaFontaine, and Gord Dineen. But for the longest time, I'm just a young guy by myself. And we'd go to a particular city, it doesn't matter where, we'd get off the bus and go check into the hotel, and uh, guys like uh, Bob, Nystrom, Bob Bourne, Clark Gillies, they'd say, hey, Rook, put your bag in your hotel room, meet us down here in the lobby in five minutes, and then they'd take me out for a bite to eat and a couple of drinks. It was really cool.
1: It, San Jose, just a quick note on that, because you know, people were skeptical about putting a team in San Jose, but there's a fierce loyalty there, yeah. and, and especially you know, the players who were there in the early years, that you know, you're know you like a legend there still. It's an interesting uh, community there. You're
0: right. It? For a lot of the guys that started out, like, like Brian Hayward and uh, many of the... Archer's Urbe for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, um, it was weird too because uh, Arter's left the year that I joined the team. So it was the summer of uh, 96, 97. And uh, he wore the same number, or I wore the same number as him. So I was kind of replacing it. I knew he was kind of like yeah. a local legend. And I was a little bit uncomfortable taking that number 32, but I, I did, anyways. But uh, San Jose was awesome. Uh, you know what I really enjoyed most about San Jose would have been the uh, management team. I really, really had a real um, connection with Dean Lombardi um, and Wayne Thomas, his assistant general manager. There's just something special. You know when you sit by somebody and you, you can have a great conversation? Yeah. And it was the first time I met Dean and Wayne, and we had a real great conversation about uh, why I wanted to play in San Jose. I was a free agent, and the conversation lasted two hours, and then we met again the next day for another two hours. They picked my brain about a lot of things, and uh, Dean and I still stay in contact, and uh, he's been a special friend for me in the game.
1: Yeah. Uh, just in the last couple of minutes here, and, and we, we've talked before about this, and, and you've been very open in talking about uh, your family issues around mental health and raising awareness yep. about this and, and everything your daughter's been through. Uh, how is she, by the way? And 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 how do you feel that uh, you know you've been able to to address this this important issue the last couple of years?
0: Thanks for bringing it up, Rob. So Kate's doing well. She's working at Pyramid Productions, oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so doing well there. Um, I'm glad you brought it up because it's it's interesting. It's uh it's something that people bring up to us every single day and that's a good thing. Uh, that's what we wanted to do when in 2013 when we started to share her story about all her problems and so on and um it's amazing how I either get phone calls, text messages, emails or personal interaction with people about their stories and and what they've gone on and Um, it's really touching it's awesome and the conversation only gets uh, louder and louder Uh, we're talking more and more about it people are now feeling uh, less afraid to talk about their own issues and so for our family it's been really great and we're really proud of our work Um, and we're going to continue to talk
1: yeah no that's good well congrats on the book and everything else going on so you got uh, what a well, it, well, we should mention this, because he told me off the air, yeah. I think people deserve to know you're getting an honorary degree <laughs> from Mount Royal. Yes, University. I'm
0: very excited about that. Well, congrats and that's that. because of our work with mental yeah. health. So, uh, really honored. That's awesome.
1: All right, Kelly Rudy, the book is called Calling the Shots, Ups, Downs, and Rebounds, My Life in the Great Game of Hockey. Congrats on everything, and thanks so much for coming in here today. Thanks we for the invite, this. Rob. All right, there you go.
0: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at
1: 1230 on News Talk
0: 770 Calgary.